church, can you bless God? Can you honor him? He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is our God and he is all powerful. I'm telling you, we serve a God that has never made a promise that he has not kept. We serve a God that has never failed. And I am grateful that in the midst of all that's going on, all the chaos, all the confusion, all the locked in the house with the kids, homeschooling and all this other kind of stuff, that God is still on his throne and he is still in control. Amen. How are you guys doing? You're doing well. I can't tell you how much I miss just hugging you and seeing you and we will get back to normal soon. But I'm telling you, in the midst of all this, I believe that God is doing something special in our lives, that he literally is drawing us to him like never before. If this is your first time ever kind of tuning in or being a part of anything Destiny Church, my name is Stephen, the senior pastor, and we're honored wherever you are. We've gotten so many people commenting. You can even throw in the comments right now where you're viewing from. People said, man, I'm watching from New Zealand or India or Lagos or, or UK or Columbia or Baltimore County or PG or whatever it may be. We're spread out literally all over the world, but we're connected by the presence of God. And I am so grateful that this Easter is a little bit of a different Easter but it is still gonna be a day where God meets us and visits us like never before. Amen. Are you guys ready for God's word? I have a word from God that I'm excited. I'm pumped to preach. Go ahead, grab your Bible, all that other good stuff. And we're gonna to turn to the book of John, John chapter 20, John chapter 20. You guys doing well? My goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. You're probably like, man, what in the world is going on? I thought we were supposed to be locked in our houses. Well, because of the amazing service and sacrifice of our staff and our leadership and everybody that makes Destiny Church happen, everybody actually got together before all of this stay-at-home stuff went on and, and put this whole service together just so that you can have some sense of normalcy and have an Easter experience. We're also outrageously grateful uh, just for the government here in the state of Maryland and, and in the areas where the churches are, we've reached out to our government officials and they said, no, 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 church is an essential organization. There's so many people that are in desperate need of God's presence. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know where you're viewing from, but maybe you're just overwhelmed with stress and anxiety, maybe even battling thoughts of suicide or whatever it may be. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The hope and the presence of God is gonna meet you right where you are and you will never be the same. Amen. Matter of fact, we actually want to know where you are tuning in from. And if you're a part of Destiny Church, you know every single Easter we take a survey. And we do this every Easter just because it's usually the time where the most people are going to be at church that Sunday. And, and it's an opportunity kind of just to hear from you. So here's what I want you to do. Grab your phone. Y'all don't have your phone, do you? That's okay. I knew I was going to do this. So I brought my phone. You could just stare at me. I'm not going to share my phone because social distancing. But uh, yeah, grab your phone and we want you to text this. Text, text, and they're going to pop it up on the screen, but I'm going to say it anyway. Text DC Easter 
to 474747. That's a lot of fours and sevens. 474747. When you text that, you're going to get a link text back to you. If you could click on that link. Here we're asking for everybody who's connected to Destiny Church that you would take a moment and just fill out that connection card. This is your opportunity to let us know, hey, my home address has changed. I've moved or whatever it may be. And, you know, every Sunday when we were meeting, we had connection cards and say, hey, fill the connection card. Well, there was a certain group of people like, ah, I don't want to fill out the connection card. What's the connection card? Bet you wish you had filled it out now because that is how the church is staying connected. So many people are being able to stay in community because of their connections. I encourage you to fill that out. There's also going to be a section where ask, hey, what are some topics that are on your heart and some sermon series and all that other good stuff? So you'll be able to see through that. But hold that phone close because at the end of this message, there's something in particular we're going to want to pull out and ask a church be able to respond on that connection card. Amen. You guys ready for God's word? You good? Um, <laughs> your, your, your feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> Is it okay? She's just levitating. It's just the presence of God. What was that song? What, the hymn? What was, Jesus, hey, come on now. Jesus, Jesus. About that name, they call him Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance. Go for it. also something about the way y'all sing it. If I were to sing Jesus, it wouldn't have the same oil on it. That's why I'm a preach Jesus, because I can't sing Jesus. All right, John chapter 20, verse 11, it says this. It says, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and, and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. 
this part just blows my mind. It says, and did not know that it was Jesus. She turned around. She was looking dead at Jesus and didn't even realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? They're real bold in the Bible. They just be talking about woman. I wish I'd try that with I. I'd be over. Woman, <laughs> pastor's gone. <laughs> woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Apparently, Mary had grabbed onto Jesus when she realized that he was alive. This is the one that she was looking for. And he says, hey, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that you are the risen king, that you have not just died on the cross for our sin, but that you rose again on the third day, bringing victory over every trial, every storm that we can face. And in this moment, the Bible says that you're sitting right next to the Father, and you're praying for us, and you're making sure that in the midst of a storm that all things work together for our good. God, where we all are sitting in our homes all around this world, God, I pray that you would step into that room, that you would speak to us like only you can. And God, when you speak, we will obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Y'all ready to preach? Okay, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm, I'm pumped, I'm pumped, I'm pumped. So I have a question for you. Have you ever been in the situation where you were going to look for something and it wasn't where you left it. Maybe like your car keys, maybe your wallet or, or whatever it may be. I'm one of those super like regimented. It's so funny because like my whole, I'm, I'm one of those people where everything has to be in the exact place where I left it, but I'm not necessarily as disciplined as I like to be, but that's a different story for a different day. I'm just super regimented. Like everything, when I walk in the house, the car keys go in the same place, the wallet goes in the same place, I take my watch off, I take my wedding ring off and I put it there. Like it's just everywhere is exactly where I mean it to be. That's why when I I lose something, I kind of lose my mind <laughs> because there's only one place it could be. And if it's not in the one place, I literally have no idea where it could be. I actually had I uh, put my watch in the one place where I always uh, put it. And my, my one-year-old Roman thought it would be a good idea to try on dad's watch and then to take dad's watch and to put it in the pot drawer. So for about three weeks, the one watch that I wear like every single day, I could not find it and I, I didn't whoop him. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I should have. I shouldn't have. It was easy. <laughs> I'm like, where in the world is my watch? It, it, it could be something to put something in a place and then come back to it and it's not where you left it. You ever been in a situation where you went to look for somebody and it's not something and it's not in the place that you left it? Have you been in the situation you went to look in on a relationship and it's not where you left it? Maybe you don't even really know what happened. Your, your, your child turned 13 and they started going to middle school and, and, and just time started to pass. And when you look to reconnect, you found out that they weren't in the place relationally or emotionally or maybe your relationship wasn't even the place where you left it. You ever been in a situation where your money wasn't where it was supposed to be? 
<laughs> like in your bank account, like your financial situation didn't look the way you thought it was going to look, or maybe your life doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to look. I know you're not supposed to ask a woman your age, and, and I'm not going to ask you your age, but <laughs> I get in trouble, right? I know that you're younger than me, though, and I remember being in my 20s and just having this picture of this is what 30s are going to look like, or this is what 40s or 50s or 60s, or this is what retirement is going to look like, and when you finally get there, it's, it's not... Not what you would have thought it would be. In this passage that we read, as you know, Jesus was, was crucified on what we call Good Friday. It wasn't a very Good Friday for him, but, but Good Friday he was crucified, and they took him off of the cross, and they put him in the tomb, and that's when Passover took place, so they weren't able to go and take care and to properly embalm the body of Jesus, so they waited for the proper time to pass, and as soon as they, y'all, they were under a stay-at-home order <laughs> on Easter. <laughs> that's not funny, but that's funny. They literally could not leave until Easter came and they woke up first thing in the morning and Mary runs out and, and she goes to the place where Jesus's body was supposed to be. And when she gets there, things weren't the way that she expected them to be and she was completely thrown off guard. There's something about life not looking the way that we think it's supposed to look that has a way of just sending us reeling and throwing us completely off guard. At, at some point, all of this confusion is going to end. <laughs> They're going to let us out of our house. We're going to have flattened the curve. We are going to come through this. Hear me. You are going to come through this, and you're going to be better on the other side than you were when you first went in because God makes all things work together for good. Somebody say amen. amen. No, not you guys, them. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but here's what I think is going to shock people, that when life goes back to normal, normal won't be the same. Like, like, we are never going back to life as it was before. There's going to be some things that have gone back to the same. For example, LeBron James will still be the greatest NBA player to ever lace up some snake. Okay, come on, calm down. But <laughs> there's just certain things that will not go back to the way that it was. So what I want to do is I just want to give you just three thoughts of, of what do I do when things aren't where I left them? What do I do when life doesn't look the way that I thought it would look? The first thing I want you to write down is this. Misplaced doesn't mean move on. Just because something is not in the place where you thought it would be, it doesn't mean move on to the next. Whenever you lose something, you always get to the place where, uh, where you just give up hope. I remember, this is, oh man, it's probably like eight, ten years ago or something like that, but I lost my car keys. Could not find them to save my life. My car keys, my house key, my whole key ring was just gone. And like I said, I always put things in the same place. And I, it, it was probably pride, but I was unwilling to admit the fact that I had actually lost my car keys. And, and it, I'm literally, I'm driving my wife's car. I'm like, look, I'm going to find these keys. One day goes by, two days go by. It's about a week, and I cannot find my car keys. My car is parked outside. And my wife is like, okay, you need to go down to the dealership. You need to order another key because your keys are gone. So I go down to the dealership. They said, hey, you know, you need to bring your, your um, what do you call it? Title. You, you already know. Thank you. That's why we have you here. You're going to bring your title. And I brought the title and said, okay, it's going to be $300 for you to order another key. 
I said, the devil is a lie. I refuse to surrender. I went back home, spent a whole nother week looking for those car keys, and I never found them. (laughs) At some point, you think it's just never going to be found. It's time for me to move on. It's time for me to pay the price of my loss. It's time for me to stop wasting time looking for something that it's just time to move on. And I find when things aren't the way that we think they're supposed to be, so often we just move on. Some of us have moved on from the hope of anybody ever having our back. I've just moved on from real relationships. I'm just to the point, I've been through so much heartbreak, I've been through so much tragedy that I've just surrendered to the fact that it's just me against the world. I've moved on from anybody ever really caring about me. Some of us have moved on from expecting anything out of life outside of small moments of happiness. Like, look, I've looked for purpose, I've looked for direction, I've looked for something that's bigger than just me, and I just haven't found it, and I'm just moving on, and I'm going to try to squeeze as much life out of this thing as I can, as many moments of joy that I can. I'm just going to go on about my business. That's what the disciples did. The Bible says that Mary ran and told the disciples the tomb is empty, and, and they ran, and they went, and they looked in the tomb, and watch this. When they found the tomb was empty, when they found that Jesus' body was no longer there, they all went back. They went back to that room where they were in. They locked themselves in. They were paralyzed by fear because they were thinking, if this is what happened to Jesus, imagine what's going to happen to us. They just moved on. Mary, however, she didn't leave that tomb. The Bible says that she stayed there, and with tears streaming down her face, she looked in that tomb again. What strikes me is Mary wasn't looking in the tomb to find Jesus alive. She she had already surrendered to the fact that he was dead and he wasn't coming back. Mary was hopeless. She was just looking for the body of Jesus so that she can do her service to the body. I'm going somewhere with this. I, I, I can't help but think how the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. Another term for people gathering in a building and worshiping together is the body of Christ. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this Easter Sunday, if you look at churches all over the place, we are preaching this now in our empty room, there are empty rooms. The body is not where people expect it to be. On the first Easter, the body wasn't where people expected it to be. And on this Easter, the body is not where people expect it to be. I dare say, and Mandel, I'm going to get in trouble, but I think before we close physical church that people had already gotten tired of empty experiences. That I feel like some of you, you've been to a full church and you left empty. The, The people were there, but I didn't have the encounter with God the way that they said I would have. And maybe you've done what the disciples did. You just went on about your business. You just left. You're just like, you know what, I'm just going to go. I'm going to, you know, try to build as much wealth as I possibly can or have a great family or whatever it may be. What I was looking for, I didn't find it in church, so I'm going to move on. Some of you are in the position of Mary where you didn't leave, you stayed. But you didn't stay to encounter a living God. You just stayed out of duty, out of a sense of I owe the body something. Some of us have stuck in church out of religion and legalism. 
that there's something that the body needs me to do. I'm a, I'm a usher. I show up and I usher. I'm on the parking team or, 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 or I'm a Destiny Kids or whatever it may be. And I'm showing up to do what I'm supposed to do. But I'm not really expecting to find Jesus there. And here's Mary. She's weeping tears streaming down her face. <laughs> And she peeks in that tomb a second time. If this room was full, it's not full. I know you're home, but can you say second time? Come on, I can't hear you. Can you say second time? She looked a second time. The Bible says that there were two angels, one on the head and one on the foot. Now, Peter and John, they went in the tomb, and when they went in the tomb, there was nothing there. They went in, they looked, they found his clothes, nothing there, they went home. When she looked a second time, God left a sign that things may not be the way that you thought they were, but I'm telling you, there's still hope. God would not have left an angel for Mary unless he was trying to send her the message, don't give up hope. And I have been praying over this message. I've been praying over this moment that somebody would give God a second look. Because I'm telling you, if you would look at him one more time, it may not be what you think it's going to be, but there's going to be a glimmer. There's going to be an ounce. There's going to be a sense of maybe I gave up too soon. Maybe there's still hope in that situation. Mary looks the second time. The angel said, what are you looking for? She says, where, where's Jesus? Where's his body? I just came. If you give it to me so that I can, can, can serve him. And it says, as she says this, she turns around, and, and Jesus is standing in front of her. End of story, right? She, she found Jesus. It, it's there. He found Jesus. No, no. She looks Jesus in the eye. His name is Mandela, by the way, if you don't know. This is what Mary did. She said, hey, Richard. <laughs> now, I've known Mandela for years. Hey, Richard, how's it going? <laughs> Richard, we got it. Let's come up with a name for him. He looks like, doesn't he look like a Richard? Richard... Smell fungal, <laughs> Eustace. Richard smell fungal, Eustace. You look like a Eustace. <laughs> she looked at somebody that she had known for years. The Bible says that Jesus had delivered her of bondage, of, of insecurity, of fear, of, I'm trying to be nice, of demons. <laughs> she looked him in the eye and she didn't know him. Here's what I've discovered. I can be looking right at what I've always wanted, and not recognize it. Write, write, write this down. The familiar is just out of focus. She, she was looking at Jesus, and, and he was what she was looking for, but he was out of focus. And John chapter 20, verse 14 says this, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. I believe that Mary was blinded by disappointment. I believe that Mary was blinded by her preconceived notion or her misunderstanding of what she was supposed to be seeing because she came expecting to see a body in a tomb and it didn't look the way that she thought it was gonna look. I believe she was blinded by her own perception or her own disappointment. I don't know why you're not supposed to pick on single people, uh, but that's just the way that it is. I decree and declare. <laughs> that some of you guys are looking right at what you've been praying to God for, but because it doesn't fit into your preconceived, it's like a Tyler Perry, isn't that every Tyler Perry movie? 
<laughs> it's like every Tyler Perry movie, she's single, she's lonely, she's looking for a man, and here comes the mechanic or whatever it may be. And she's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this. And the whole movie, it takes her time to figure out just because your ex and all this, she was blinded. Tyler Perry be preaching up in <laughs> It's possible to look at exactly what you're believing God for and to miss it because you're blinded. As a husband, you can look at your kid, look at your spouse, and the reality is that is the fulfillment of, of, of manhood. It is the fulfillment of, of what God's called you to do in terms of leaving a legacy here on earth. But because you're blinded by ambition, because you're blinded by how much money's in your bank account or what other people think about you or whatever it may be, you can actually abandon what God has placed inside of you as the answer to your prayer because you're looking at something else and you can throw your own scenario in it. So many of us are blinded. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't have faith. So they couldn't see the light of the gospel that reveals Christ's glory. Christ is the image of God. Some of us are blinded by ambition. Some of us are blinded by the pain of our past. Some of us are blinded by our own five-year plans that it's been 12 years and it didn't quite work out the way that we wanted it to work out. Some of us are blinded by religion and legalism. Here's what Mary asked Jesus. She said, where have you placed the body? Tell me where the body is so that I can go and take it and take care of it for him. She's looking at Jesus. And here's what I believe blinded Mary. She was so blinded by what she was supposed to do for Jesus that she completely missed the fact of what he had already done for her. For some of us, the reason why our experience in the house of God and the presence of God, because God didn't quite work out for us, is because we've been obsessed on what we're supposed to do for him. Maybe somebody told you that in order to have a relationship with God, in order for God to move in your life or, or for you to be a Christian, that you have to be perfect or you have to knock this rule or you have to get this done or get that done or whatever it may be. And because you were obsessed over what you had to do for God, you completely missed him because our relationship with God is not based on what we can do for him. It's based on what he has already done for us. I'm... I'm I hate saying I'm gonna be real, but uh, I'm always real. <laughs> Some people just don't think they need God. They're, they're just like, you know, this Christian stuff, going to church, all that other kind of stuff, it's good, you know, it's, it's good, you know, I'm encouraged and, you know, uplifted and, and all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, there's big, I'm not just gonna, you know, pray and sing kumbaya for the rest of my life. Like, I, there's money to be made, there's life to be had, there's joy to be experienced, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Here's what you're missing, here's what you're blinded by that there is no life outside of God. There is no joy outside of God. Actually, it's through him that you experience all that you've ever desired. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, this is Elisha speaking to his servant. He said, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I find one of the reasons why people are afraid to go all in with God is because they're afraid that they're gonna miss out on something. 
Like, like, I mean, if I give God my all, like, I mean, I can't have sex, I can't drink, I can't have fun, I can't party, I can't have sex, I can't drink, I can't have se- Okay, let's just broil it. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. No, 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 no. God said, no, no, no. I, I didn't say you can't have. Matter of fact, he said, I didn't come to take. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Here's what Elisha told his servant. He says, I'm praying that you would be able to see that there is more that is with us than there is that's against us. In other words, there's more of life to experience with Jesus than can ever be experienced in isolation by yourself. Here's what he said in verse 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. I am praying that God would open your eyes. I don't know if you're 13, I don't know if you're 30, I don't know if you're 93, but I am telling you this, wherever you find yourself in life, that there is so much more that God has for you. Last thing I want you to write down is this. One encounter, one encounter alters every experience. So here's Mary. She's looking at Jesus. She's she's looking at what everybody told her was the answer, but she's not seeing it. Maybe you're in the position where where somebody told you, hey, I'm going to show you this. Man, you got to watch my church. You got to watch this service, man. It's going to change your life. And you're kind of just sitting there like, oh, I'm not seeing it. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've read the Bible and you're just like, ah, I'm just, I'm just not seeing. Here is Mary looking in the eyes of Jesus, and she's just not seeing it. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, Mary. He, he didn't say, what's wrong with you? He didn't say, don't you see that I'm the way, the truth, and the life? He didn't say, I died for you, and you're going to have the the nerve to not. No, no, he just, he said, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. The second Mary heard Jesus call her name, her eyes were open. There's something about being in a position where Jesus lets you know, I don't even know what it is, 7.5 billion, how many people on this planet, 8 billion, whatever the number is, there's a lot of billions. There's something about that moment where he lets you know, Stephen, Richard, (laughs) Sean, I don't know what your name is. But when he calls you by, when you have an encounter with God, I'm going to get off track, but that's okay. I can't wait to get back to church. I know that we're in our houses watching services and all that other good stuff, but I can't wait to get back to church. There's something about the people of God being together. That is going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing, and it's coming soon. Somebody say amen. But I just have a feeling that separating everybody out into their own homes that God is going to use this in this moment because it's possible to sit in a church service. 
I remember growing up before I had a relationship with God, I'd see people worshiping and tears streaming down their face and just say, I don't know God that way and I extra whatever. But I feel like for this season, God has gotten us off by ourselves just to call you by name. He said, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but to go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. There is something about having an encounter with God, not an encounter with church, not an encounter with emotions, but an encounter with God that forever transforms who you are. The Bible says that as soon as Mary heard Jesus say Mary, it says that she clung to him. I know I've had a real encounter with God when everything in my life wants to hold on to him with everything that I have. I, I dare say if one Sunday enough, one Sunday a week is enough of God in my life, maybe I haven't had a real encounter with him. It says, not only did she cling to Jesus, but he said, here's what I want you to do. Go tell your brethren that I'm going to my father, to my father and to your father. And it says, Mary took off running and told the disciples, I'm wondering if I'm able to keep it to myself, have I really had an encounter with God? Because there's something about hearing God call my name. There's something about an encounter with God that makes me want to cling to him and that makes me want to tell every other person about him. He said, go tell him that I'm going to your father and my father. There's something about an encounter with God that lets me know I'm a part of the family. That I'm not out here trying to make it up as I go along. I'm not trying to earn God's love. That he has accepted me as his child. Last verse, and we're going to land this plane. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. I want to know Christ. This word know that the apostle Paul used, he said, I want an encounter with God. I want an encounter with God that so changes my experience. And it's just me. <laughs> Jesus could have sat in that tomb alive. <laughs> could you imagine? I'm going to get in trouble. If Jesus is like hiding in the tomb and Mary comes and she's like, he's like, surprise! <laughs> he probably would have to raise Mary from the dead. Instant heart attack laid out or whatever. Jesus could have been where they expected him to be. He could have been alive and where he expected them to be. But I believe that he got out of that grave. He let them look in an empty place and find him somewhere else for this reason. I believe Jesus was trying to get them to understand that my resurrection can't fit in a room. My resurrection was designed to impact every single area of your life. By the way, one of the reasons why the disciples ran back to the room and they didn't even stick around is because they weren't thinking anything about heaven. 
Their entire season of following Jesus was, Jesus is going to overthrow the kingdom of this earth. He's going to be king, and we want to sit on his right. And we want, They were thinking about right now. They were saying, man, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to get a raise at work. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to be able to have children. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to get married or this or that or whatever. They were thinking about the immediate right now. And here's what Paul said. He said, I want to know, I want a real encounter with Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation. Another translation says, and fellowship in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here, here, here's my thought. So here it is, Mary, here's her name called. She has an encounter with Jesus, an encounter that affected every other. She was never the same. Like when Mary went to talk to the disciples, it wasn't from a place of hopelessness. It was a place of, I've seen Jesus alive. When she went on and worked for the rest of her life that she worshiped, everything that she did, she did it from the perspective of he was dead. I saw him die and then I saw him alive. It changed everything. Hear what Paul was saying. He was saying until you encounter the suffering of the price that he had to pay to die on the cross and to come back to life, you'll never be able to fellowship with him in the power of his resurrection. You may be sitting there saying, Pastor, I know this, you know, this is a good, great message, encourage Easter Sunday, made my wife happy or made my husband happy or made my mom happy or whatever it may be, but I'm not really thinking about heaven right now. I'm not thinking about all that kind of stuff. All I'm thinking about, man, I need to figure out how to get, get, get this taken care of with my children. I just need to figure out how to get out of this house or whatever it may be. Here's the thing. Without an encounter with God, you'll never see him in any other area of your life. Without getting a real intimate relationship, a connection with the point that it was my sin, it was my shame, it was my guilt that caused him to die, but he didn't just stay dead, he rose again. It's when I accept that that I begin to see his resurrection power in my marriage, in my finances, in my, in my faith, in my life. God says, I was never meant to be locked in a grave and I was never meant to be locked in a building. I want to encounter you in every area of your life. But it starts with you realizing and that he knows me. And he's waiting to see how I'm going to respond to him. At the beginning of this message, we had you grab your phone and, and text uh, that number. If you can pull your phone out and what I want to do is I want to continue or to finish that survey. We do this every Easter. And, and basically what that last section of the survey asks is, have you ever had a real encounter with God? I'm not asking if you've ever been to church. I'm not asking if you've ever prayed a prayer. I'm asking, have you ever had an encounter with God that made you want to cling to him with all you've ever had? Have you ever had an encounter with him that has made you want to tell every single person that you know, I found what I was looking for? Have you ever had an encounter with him that has literally shaped every other area of your life? On that survey, there's, there, there's four responses and and what I want you to do, every single person that's viewing, if you can indicate A, B, C, or D. 
And I'll give you what each one means. The, the first one, A, is, A means this, I have had an encounter. I've put my faith in God. It's not that I go to church. It's not that, 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 that I'm a Christian. It's that I belong to God. B is this, I want to belong to God today. I want to give him full. I don't just want to know about him, but I want him to be a part of my life. If that's you, you can indicate B right now. C is this. C is, I'm not quite sure. I need more information. I, I don't know if I've ever truly had an encounter with God the way that you're talking about it. I'm not quite ready to make a decision, but I need more information. If that's you, indicate C on that. We would love to hear me. Destiny Church is a place where you can belong before you believe. I don't quite know where I figure out. That's okay. Keep tuning in. As soon as we get back to church, keep coming and allow God to work on your heart. And the last one is this. D is this. D is I've never put my faith in God. And I have no intention on putting my faith in God. If you're in that position, if you're bold enough to say that, go ahead and indicate D. And I'm just going to let you know what's going to happen. When you indicate D, I'm going to pray for you. I don't want you to pray for me. Well, indicate D and I'm going to pray for you. Because here's what happens every single year. We've been doing this for years and years and years. Every single year, we'll get people that'll indicate D. We had one year where somebody said, I'm, I'm, I'm a Muslim. I never intend to put in my faith in your Jesus. We prayed and the next Easter, we had that exact same survey. And I don't know if it was the same individual, but somebody indicated last year I was a D and I was a Muslim. And today I am putting my faith in Jesus. Whatever you've indicated, can I pray for you? Right where you're sitting, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, that the church may be empty, the grave is empty, but that you're alive and you're active in every single home right now, meeting every single person right where they are, calling them by name. God, I pray that you'd make yourself real to us. If you're one of those people that indicated B, you said, hey, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Right where you're sitting in your living room, you can make that decision right now. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being real. Thank you for loving me enough to die on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased but you didn't remain dead. You came to life so that I can experience your power in every area of my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.